Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme. Good morning, Steve Rogers off today, so it's me, Andy Marsh, filling in. But don't panic, we do have the usual features. Today we preview the Harvest Festival at Lincoln Cathedral this afternoon with the county's agricultural chaplain, the Reverend Canon Alan Robson. He told us it's a chance to look back at the year in agriculture. It's been good for some sectors, appalling for others, and now the chicken sector is struggling. So there's lots to celebrate and lots to recognise of how we've got to support each other. We're also hearing about Young Farmers Week that's just gone by with Kate Knight. It's just a great big celebration of being a young farmer. And this year, more about farming and rural life and food and where our food comes from. Plus, there's agronomy with Sean Sparling, the market report, and, of course, the weather for the week ahead. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme. Now, firstly, just a quick mention for the British Farming Awards and congratulations to Tim Russon from New Farm in Burton. He's won gold in the Contractor of the Year category. Well done to him and, of course, all of the winners throughout the UK. Now, the big news this week is that an avian flu prevention zone has been declared across the country after a large number of cases were found in the UK, sadly. All bird keepers must now follow strict biosecurity measures to protect their flocks. Now, that's something that's been mentioned by Lincolnshire's agricultural chaplain, the Reverend Canon Alan Robson. I've spoken to him ahead of this afternoon's Harvest Festival at Lincoln Cathedral. He says it's an event for everyone. It's not just the farmers. Anybody can come along and celebrate what Lincolnshire produces. So there'll be a procession of produce this year. But what we're not going to do is wax lyrical about it because for a moment we're going to remember that there are lots of parts of the world that have floods and droughts and disease and there's been lots of challenges alongside a very productive harvest in Lincolnshire. So it's really remembering our brothers and sister farmers in the Ukraine as well as those other parts of the world that have had a really difficult time. Dr Hugh Jones is the preacher. He's from the College of St. Hughes, oddly enough, not named after him. He leads ministerial training for the Anglican Church. Prayers are going to be led by associate chaplains. It's a time to gather and recognise our good fortune whilst remembering others less fortunate. And you mentioned solidarity with other countries, and of course that is so important because we do import quite a lot of food here. We only supply just about 60%. I think it's nearer 58%. I think people would be surprised that such a productive country we only do about 30 percent of our apples and 10 percent of our pears we import a huge amount that's got to be reversed and and we're mindful of our chicken industry that are now in lockdown as of monday bizarrely the day after world egg day lockdown of all chicken flocks across the united kingdom because of avian flu we do import a lot um, and we're very grateful for it but we do need to be a little bit more about self-sufficient. We're about self-sufficient in eggs, which is a good thing. But, uh, yeah, the cost of food's going up and all of that. This is a time to recognise there's challenges all around the place. But, you know, we've got to have courage and show resilience, recognise there are important things going on in the world and we're all in it together. And as regards Lincolnshire farmers, it has been quite a difficult year. You, you mentioned the bird flu issue. That's obviously very important. But also we had a long period with um, very little rain, and that has made it difficult as well. 
Yes, particularly for the vegetable sector. Bizarrely, for the arable sector, they had a, a world record-breaking harvest, which is extraordinary. I thought that the bushel weights would be way down, but no, barleys and wheats have broken records all around the county. So when it's good corn, it's difficult horn, they say. Yeah, so it, the feed costs go up, and I know the pig farmers had a really tough beginning of the year with labour supply in the abattoirs, and thousands of pigs across the country were slaughtered because of lack of labour. The vegetable sector in pockets around the county, those who didn't have ready access to irrigation, certainly lost uh, significant amounts of crops. It's been good for some sectors, appalling for others, and now the chicken sector is struggling. So there's lots to celebrate and lots to recognise of how we've got to support each other going forward. And that Harvest Festival starts at three o'clock this afternoon. Now it's time for agronomy and we welcome Sean Sparling. Good morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Andy. Good to talk to you too. Must be about a year since we talked last time with the big O off on his holidays again. Always good to see you though. I have a terrible memory for faces, but I never forget a tie. So it's been a week of two halves really. It started off nice and dry, warm, very sunny as well. 18, 19 degrees beginning of the week once again, but very windy. So few of the fields that have been drilled in the last few days have had their pre-ems put on but we'll come back to that and then we saw that wet stuff return at the end of the week a little bit variable in quantity I took the best part of an inch of rain on Thursday there I know there are plenty out there who took less than that and an awful lot who took more than that but fair to say it's wetted things down again for us and with autumn rolling in on us days are a lot shorter the sun's a lot lower in the sky and things are cooling down it doesn't dry out as quickly as it would have done even a fortnight ago and right there is the justification for all of those growers who've already drilled their black grassy field. Now, to be fair, with the kind weather that we've seen in the last few weeks, I don't think there's a vast amount of drilling to do out there, wheat in particular. So in terms of getting on with the drilling and getting crops in the ground, it really couldn't have been a better five-week run just gone. Some fantastic, fine, firm and very even seed beds out there. Plenty of wheat in the ground, as I say. And despite the conversations we've all been having on farm for the last few weeks, the calendar date was never the driving force, nor should it have been and nor should it ever be. Because where black grass is the biggest issue, it should all have been about the black grass. What it was doing, where it was doing it and when it was doing it. That's the crucial thing. Now, the, the low dormancy of this autumn, coupled with a reluctance of that black grass to germinate and come through in these stale seed beds until the last 10 days or so, is what's giving agronomists like me sleepless nights, particularly where it's black grass land and it's been in for three weeks or so. So in terms of what this black grass does from now onwards, if you have wheat in the ground in worrisome sites, we should just have to wait and see. I'm praying in every one of my spare minutes, and I'll be at the cathedral for the Harvest Festival later this afternoon, trying to put a good word in with the boss on that very subject to ask that further blackgrass emergence is kept to a minimum in these fields and that the pre-ems do their jobs reliably and impressively. You can of course also top up these herbicides post-emergence of the crop and we've already got crops with tillers on them drilled in mid-September so therefore now would be the time to reassess for those top-up herbicides but again discuss that with your advisor to make sure you stay both safe to the crop and legal in terms of maximum total doses. 
All you can really do once the crop is in and the pre-ems are on is top up that residual herbicide level in order to try and mop up any late germinators. And your choice of post them will depend upon what you use pre-em, of course. And it wants to be on, of course, as well, while that blackgrass is no bigger than one or two leaves, as long as the recommended intervals are being observed. But let's be honest, residuals are really your best bet on blackgrass in particular. If you've already put a robust pre-emergence herbicide on in good time, you got it on well and you got it on in good conditions, if that field still comes full of blackgrass or ryegrass, it's fair to say that the only truly reliable contact herbicide is going to be glyphosate. So now, as I say, the windy weather and that drop of rain has made spraying slightly more complicated for the last few days. So therefore, some of the preems haven't been applied. We know that whatever you did in the field with glyphosate before you drilled and in that 48, 72 hour period with the preems after you drilled, that was going to be the most effective, reliable way of managing grass weeds and broadleaf weeds and in particular the black grass. So if you didn't take a flush out with glyphosate or you were delayed beyond that 48, 72 hour window after you've drilled, then you've missed the optimum timing to get the most out of them. Now with the current weather, that delay is going to be increased to the point where some of these crops may begin to emerge before we get the preems on. Obviously, many pre-em herbicides can be safely and legally applied post-emergence of the crop, but the levels of control of blackgrass in particular that you're likely to get are going to be reduced once the blackgrass starts to put its roots down and come through the ground. There are exceptions of herbicides you can use post-em. Of course, Triolate and Aclonifen, for example, only have pre-em approval. So some mixes are going to have to be reassessed. And also some of the mixes that were planned as pre-ems might just be a little bit too hot on some of these emerging crops or once they're through the ground in some cases. So do talk to your advisor before you just go out and spray the ticket. As a rule of thumb, by the way, do avoid spraying anything onto a crop as it's just pricking through the ground. And if you start to see frosts out there, that's even more of a warning sign. That first frost onto an emerged crop is going to strip the wax off the leaf and therefore leaves it open to scorch. So leave a good 24 hours at least clear of any first frost. So in other words, if there's a frost on the Monday night, no frost on the Tuesday night, you could then go out spraying on the Wednesday but then you will there on onwards need to stop spraying by around half three four o'clock if there's another frost forecast BYDV as well also becomes an issue of course once you've had 170 growing day degrees since the crop emerged and that criteria is being met now so if you're finding bird cherry oat aphids out there in particular on the earlier drill bits then a treatment with a pyrethroid may well be required lifting of sugar beet well underway respectable yields disappointing sugars though thanks to the widespread new growth we've seen in the last couple of months dragging that sugar away from the crown and remember if you're drilling winter wheat after sugar beet that sugar beet tops can be quite toxic too um, on the germinating wheat seedling so do speak to your advisor about the best cultivation approach we're also seeing increasing levels of insects in grain stores too so do keep your eyes peeled and monitor the store temperatures the colder the air is as you pull it through it the more good it's going to do and with drilling going so well even the winter beans are nearly drilled up so do make sure those pre-ems go on on your winter beans very few options post them in beans so it really has to be pre-em we're starting to see the first signs of foam at 
two and all seed rape. So prioritize the smaller, more backward crops because the foamer gets from the leaf to the stem far more rapidly in a small plant. So once you see those pale lesions with the black pycnidia in them, the threshold for treatment is 10% of plants affected. If you've got a foamer rating of seven or less for foamer stem canker, if it's seven or greater, then 20% of plants affected. Still far too warm for propizomide to go on in oilseed rape. It breaks down very quickly in warm soil. It will still work, but you lose out on efficacy and persistence. It needs to be 10 degrees Celsius and falling at 30 centimetres or 8 degrees Celsius and falling at 15 centimetres. You can download the Curb app from the Corteva site. So apart from that, fingers crossed that the blackgrass stays under control. Let's see what the next seven days bring. Thank you very much, Sean. Have a good week. The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham. Supplying the region for over 40 years. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme. Good morning. In case you've just tuned in, this is Andy Marsh in for Steve Orchard. Now, this last week has been Young Farmers Week throughout the country. I've been speaking to Kate Knight from Lincolnshire Young Farmers, who told us what the week is all about. It's led by National Young Farmers, of which we're obviously Lincolnshire Young Farmers Clubs, and they give us themes to work towards each day. We sort of embed it into our normal club meetings and share lots on social media, and it's just a great big celebration of being a young farmer. And this year, more about farming and rural life and food and where our food comes from. And, of course, it's a great way to recruit new members. How's that been going? We've had a great New Members Month. It works really well with National Young Farmers Members Week during our New Members Month. And we've just got one New Members Night to do next Next week and that's Coningsby Young Farmers and up until now we've had about 250 new faces through the door. Now obviously you want as many members as you can get but what are the major benefits to actually getting involved in Young Farmers? We use the slogan fun learning and achievement and you don't have to be a farmer to be a young farmer so we have lots of fun we hope that people achieve things and learn along the way get new life skills get involved in everything young farmers whether it's running a club being involved in your club running social events getting involved in national initiatives on tuesday national young farmers week it was a celebration of farming and rural life and um, we were really proud of charlotte garber our ex-county chair and Rosie Finney, our current vice chair, who are both uh, national chairs of steering groups, Agri and Youth Forum, and they hosted with Chris Bavin, TV personality, the National Agri Forum. Great opportunity and, and a really good example of where being a young farmer can take you. And if they are directly in the farming sector, we do hear that it can actually be quite isolating. But this is a way of coming together. That's right. Every club meets every week, a Monday, Tuesday or a Wednesday night. And I think, you know, if you talk to young farmers that are in more isolated jobs, they would say it's a great opportunity to meet up with their mates and do something a little bit different, get some off the farm, get some socialising and also exposes them to all of the help and support that they might get, you know, through being a young farmer member. And also, I guess it's a way of sharing best practice between those who are actually in the agricultural industry. Yeah, we work closely with lots of our uh, sort of agricultural partners, very closely with LRSN, the NFU and the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society. And lots of farmers locally support young farmers clubs in lots of ways, Uh, Young Farmers definitely works on a lot of goodwill and it's it's the youngsters coming into 
the industry, different sections of the industry, not always just farming, but some of the other sectors as well. And um, we're really proud of our members in Lincolnshire Young Farmers, what they, what they achieve firstly by running their clubs and getting involved in being a, a Young Farmer member and then onwards in their careers from then on. Now, you're involved in what's happening this afternoon, the Harvest Festival at Lincoln Cathedral. Just tell us what your involvement is exactly. We have a, a really good opportunity at the um, cathedral. We absolutely love it. Normally two members, and this year the same, will have uh, done readings. So we choose our junior and senior member of the year. And this year that happens to be Charlotte Walker, who is a Harmston Young Farmer member. She won junior member of the year. And Rosie Finney, who's a senior member of the year and Horncastle Young Farmer and also our vice chair. And finally, if there is somebody who's interested, who obviously isn't involved in the group at the moment, what do they need to do? How do they get in touch? Look on our website, linksyfc.org.uk or find us on all social media platforms. There's 15 clubs around the county ranging from Brig in the most north and Stamford in the most south. There's a club certainly near most people, I'm sure. Get in touch with us through any of our social media platforms and we'll tell you all about it. And my thanks to Kate. Next, it's time for Livestock from Louth Livestock Market with auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Oliver. Morning, Andy. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth, which includes both Monday and Friday sale of store cattle. Monday sales see steers top at 261 pence per kilo and gross 1,467 pounds for JC Scolia Bormba, while heifers top at 275 pence per kilo and gross 1,345 pounds for John Thirlby of Kexby. Cool cows top at 174 pence per kilo for F.W. Robinson and R. Carton and Son, and top at 1214 pounds for F.W. Robinson of Horsington. That wraps the cattle up. Moving on to the sheep, lambs SQQ at 240.89 pence per kilo. To top at £126 per head for NA and AC Collyshaw and LJ Fairburn, or £274 per kilo for Emily Scaman. Moving on to the cool ewes, and an all in average again this week for 108 of £114 at 93 pence. To top for NA and AC Collyshaw at £166. Store lambs, all in average £55.64 this week, with a top for iBristo at £82. That wraps Monday up and moving on to Friday, sale of store cattle, which saw 291 head forward to see cows and calves sell away to the day's leading price with pedigree limbers and heifers with bull calves at foot to £2,700. Uh, breeding bulls sell to a top of £1,800. Store heifers sell to £1,240 for PJ and NJ Rutter and store steers sell to £1,100 from the same good homes. Steers all in average £780 per head, while the heifers all in average £788 per head. In calf cows average 960 and cows and calves average £1,580. Huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week, both buyers and vendors. Uh, prime and cool cattle and prime and cool sheep are required for tomorrow's market, so please don't hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman from Masons and Louth Market, and thank you. And it's on to the open field markets and prices. This week it's Alice Killam. Morning to you, Alice. Good morning, everyone. A mixed report again, I'm afraid to admit. We have had a couple of negative days early this week with losses for London wheat. To name a few reasons to blame, technical chart selling, US harvest pressure, increased Black Sea exports and general demand worries. We saw a strengthening pound on the back of a stabilising market thanks to Jeremy Hunt. Unfortunately, this hindered our ex-farm grain prices. Midweek, we saw that the euro and the pound weakening again against the dollar, but this doesn't necessarily help the all-important seabot futures. Needless to say, we haven't seen the end of this political saga in the UK, so expect continued currency volatility. 
We still need to consider high levels of bombing in Kyiv. Rumours are also circulating around that last weekend's meetings between Erdogan and Putin didn't make any progress on the grain corridor. Despite this, data has shown that Ukraine has exported 2.12 million tonnes of mainly corn and wheat so far in October. This is compared to 2.17 million tonnes in the same period of October 2021. Russia wants more if they're going to be willing to extend the grain deal in a month's time, and that is dependent on the West easing Russia's agricultural and fertiliser exports. Domestic demand also seems to be down as avian influenza is growing in concern with regards to bird numbers. But we all know that things can change in a heartbeat as Russia are so unpredictable. Feed barley is off the highs in the UK. However, we still have reasonable export demand from the Irish and the Spanish at decent numbers, which is supporting prices to a degree. Currency is again playing an important part with the timing of sales paramount. Demand used to be focused on only OCDEC movement. However, we have seen more forward demand coming in this week, which is positive. The main story for malting barley is demand. Prices have fared well in comparison to other grains this past week. Brewers are reluctant to buy forward due to high energy prices and a question over demand from pubs. January movement onwards is limited, but this isn't having an impact on prices, with premiums holding at around 50 to £60. This is mainly due to farmers' recent unwillingness to sell. The rapeseed market remains volatile, with so many factors influencing the general veg oil markets. Rapeseed prices have lost ground largely due to the sharp rebound in production for 2022-2023. DEFRA have reported the provisional estimate of English oilseed rape production to have increased by 43% to 1.2 million tonnes in 2022. The European rapeseed forecast has also been revised up, mainly due to recovery of area in Spain and yields in Germany and France. This means there's potential for a record rapeseed harvest worldwide, which is weighing on prices. The rebound in production of rapeseed means that unlike last year, when rapeseed supplies are very tight, wider market factors will have a big influence on prices. The fundamentals of soybeans and prospects for a record-breaking production in Brazil next spring keeps the market attention on South American weather and drought risks associated with the La Nina weather phenomenon. Wednesday saw a rally in soy oil, which in turn helped both soybeans and therefore oilseed rape. There is still plenty of ground to make up for, though. Additionally, recession fears, currency and crude oil have all been adding to the volatility of rapeseed. The demand for rapeseed oil as a feedstock is expected to increase, but it will need to be competitively priced to regain its market share. Prices for this week. Feed wheat, December 262-272, January 264-274, with a pound carry per month on from here. Milling wheat premiums have stretched to around 45 to £50. Pounds. There is still demand pre-Christmas. Barley, December 230 to 240 and January 231 to 241. Pound per carry again on from here. Again, we still have demand for malting barley pre-Christmas. Please speak to your Openfield FBM for firm values. Allseed rape, October 505 to 515. November 510 to 520. December 511 to 521. Have a great week, everyone. And my thanks go to Oliver and Alice. The Farming Programme. Five day forecast. Starting out with today, there is a chance of showers but mostly dry, highs of 16 Celsius. Temperatures remain relatively mild for the time of year this week, between 15 and 17 Celsius. Monday and Wednesday are likely to be rather dull, but dry with sunny spells on Tuesday and Thursday. There is a possibility of some showers on Thursday and also on Friday too. And that's the way it's looking. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme.
And before I go, let's go back to bird flu briefly as cases spread throughout the country and an avian flu prevention zone has been declared. We'll, of course, be keeping an eye on what happens as the situation develops. So far, there have been cases in Lincolnshire, yes, but far fewer than some other areas. Indeed, Norfolk has been very badly impacted and there are fears it could lead to more cases in Lincolnshire. Hopefully that won't be the case, but we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, Just one little bit of advice from the Environment Agency. You probably know this, but just in case, if you do see dead birds, don't touch them unless, of course, you're wearing protective clothing. Have a really good week. My thanks go to Alan, Oliver, Kate, Alice and Sean Sparling. We return next week. Once again, Steve Orchard next week will be away, so I'm filling in for him again. And we'll be hearing about the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society's Schools Challenge, which is really interesting. Have a good week. I'll see you next week. The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. 